Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Commitment Matters. Well, several of you let us know that you have more questions about engaging with a professional coach or life coach. You told us that you sense you're in need of reassessing some areas of your life, but that you had practical questions about how coaching works and what benefits you could expect to achieve from coaching. So we flipped the script, and instead of talking with another executive coach, we instead decided to talk with someone who hired a coach for themselves. She agreed to share her experience with you, which, in her case, had a bit of a surprise ending. We wanted to share with you a client's view of the process. What benefits did she derive from the sessions? What was the process like? And does she recommend it for others? We even found a title person for you, so you know that she speaks from a vantage point that is similar to one you might stand on. She's a friend, colleague, sister, and we like to joke that we're work spouses too. Needless to say, I trust her judgment immensely and knew she'd be just the right person to call on for a sound perspective in this area of experience. So Allison Casper Gareffa is here today and she began her career in the title industry in Medina, Ohio, nearly 40 years ago, working for a local title company in high school and college. In 1997, she joined her family business, Caspernet, as CFO, and in 2004, Caspernet became a member of the Old Republic Title Insurance Group. Later, Allison transitioned to a corporate role, which afforded her the opportunity to work in several different departments, including agency services and administration, corporate development, and corporate enterprise solutions. In 2018, Allison decided to take a strategic career pause for a few years to spend more time with family, friends, and pursue one of her other passions, travel. It was during this time the idea of pursuing an executive leadership coaching certification came to light and is now a goal on the horizon for Allison. During the last several years, Allison has also had the privilege of serving military families in an unofficial capacity as a volunteer, mentor, and friend. Allison has deep roots in the title insurance industry, is a longtime member of American Land Title Association, serving on several committees there, and of course we became familiar on the RESPA Implementation Task Force, which later evolved into the TILA RESPA Integrated Disclosures Task Force. She's a graduate of The Ohio State University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in International Relations, and she lives in Williamsburg, Virginia. So please enjoy this conversation with the very wise and always generous Allison Gareffa. Allison Gareffa, welcome to Commitment Matters. Thank you. Well, we have a lot to cover today. I think you have the title business in your DNA, maybe literally. You came up as the daughter of an, a shoe leather courthouse searcher whose business eventually became a well-known search company. But for those who don't know you, let's sort of start with an overview of your career in the title industry. All right. Well, I started, I got my first job in the title industry for a local title company in my hometown, Medina, Ohio. And that was circa 1983 or 84. And I worked in the courthouse and did legals back before we had fax machines. And I sort of did it all. I would go to the courthouse and do my legals and go back to the office and type them up on a typewriter with my hand drawing of the map. 
And then I would hop in my car and deliver the legals to realtors and others. So that's really how I got my start and did that really until I graduated college. I did that in the summers when I was off school in high school and college, and then completely left the title industry and returned in 1997 when my husband and I had just relocated from overseas back to Ohio and joined the family business at the time. You mentioned my mom and my brother, Larry, were working together and they needed someone to help with basically they said all the the money and the people. So I was the CFO and the HR director of our family growing family business, which exploded. And by the early 2000s, we had almost 50 employees and eventually sold that business to Old Republic Title Insurance Company. And we thrived there as well. And we, of course, got to know each other in the days of First, it was RESPA reform, and then just when we were recovering from that, along came TRID. So we've kind of been to Hades and back together, getting those rules implemented. I remember we met in like 08 or 09, but those early years in the early 2000s, things were still evolving. Well, they're always evolving and changing, but I struggled to find a place, sort of a role for myself and volunteering Today, it's so different with American Land Title Association. The doors are wide open. They want folks to come in. And I wanted to serve on the Government Affairs Committee and was fortunate enough through some wonderful mentors and role models in the title insurance industry in Alta to have that opportunity. So I think like you, I remember that first day walking into that meeting and seeing that big table and I was in my navy blue suit, you know, I was <laughs> I was dressed for success. I really wanted to have earned my place at that table. I remember doing a lot of educating in front of a lot of people to help business understand and implement this rule so that they could not only keep themselves on the right side of it, but so that they could also educate their realtors and lenders and eventually consumers because they're just was sort of a gap, especially for TRID, because the lenders had so many other rules that they were trying to tune up to. Uh, They had a flurry. I'd like to know how many years it took off of our life. And I have to say, thanks to Alta's leadership and with the task force, title and settlement really led the rest of the industries through those massive changes. And, And that's something I'll always be proud of. I'm guessing you are too. Yeah, and I agree with you. I remember those days, not only our RESPA task force, which later became the TRID task force, all of us working together, but fanning out, as you said, and trying to educate people. And I think we both remember how we had a lot of folks that were embracing it, like, okay, this is happening. How can we do this? And so that really made the job easier. We had a lot of folks wanting to learn, get up to speed and be ready by the implementation date and being able to go out all over the country and talk to folks. It was a pleasure. I truly enjoyed it. Yeah, those were some good days. Now, I don't know if RESPA reform is what burned you out or if you weren't burned out in the title business, but at some point you became very interested in executive coaching and That's a field that people have heard used in a sentence, 
but they might not know about some of the benefits of using a coach, how it all works. We have done an episode with another guest on this topic and people followed up and said, okay, we want to hear more. We want to know more about what are some of the fundamentals? What's the experience like? So I'd been in the title business for in one shape or form for over 30 years. I'd been in my family business and part of the old Republic family for over, well, almost 20 years or 20 or so years. And I felt like my life sort of wasn't in balance. And maybe the role I was filling in that moment wasn't as fulfilling, but I was having trouble articulating. I remember talking with my bosses at the time, exactly what I wanted to do. And it kind of sounded like executive coaching. (laughs) And that really wasn't the role that I was hired to do in the part of the department that I was in. Really, I went to my husband, who I think our partners and spouses are wonderful cheerleaders and coaches, and quickly realized, you know what, he's on my side, and he's always going to be encouraging me. I need someone who's going to challenge me, sort of be an impartial third party. And that's what led me in the spring of 2017 to seek out a life coach, an executive coach. So what's the process like? I mean, do you lie down on a couch with your hands folded and speak deep truths? What's it like? Well, I knew someone who was doing this. I thought, well, I know Mark. I trust Mark. I'm going to talk with him. Usually most coaches will give you a few minutes of their time, a session to kind of see if it's a good fit. So I quickly realized this is who I wanted to use as a coach and kind of go down this path. I didn't really have any idea of where it was going to lead, but it turned out it was wonderful. In our case, we were meeting virtually. These days, as you know, post-COVID, so much of the world is virtual. You can certainly find a coach and do a video conference or a phone call, and you're not laying down on a couch. You're typically sitting in a chair, in my case, with a notepad, because I love to take notes, having a conversation. It's just as easy as that. Did you arrive at your first session knowing, okay, I'm at point A, I know where I want to go to point B, how do I get there? Or was it much more free range than that? Because I think a lot of people might have an inkling that they might benefit from some coaching, but they go, well, I don't even know what I might want to do or might want to keep doing what I'm doing, but add something to it. Do you have to have it formulated in your mind? Or is that part of the benefit of working with the coach is figuring out what you want? Most of the time people are coming into a coaching scenario, either reactively or proactively. So the reactive is something like I'm experiencing pain. I want this to go away. And that's kind of what led me to coaching. Not that my job was awful, but just that I was sort of struggling with what I wanted to do. Others come to it proactively. Hey, I know there's going to be some pain down the road. And if I don't grow and change, I'm not going to probably handle that so well. And then really, there are three big spaces that people, the needs that move them to coaching. I'm kind of giving you this backdrop relationships. So maybe it's a relationship issue that I want to address. Could be as a manager, I might be having an issue with a subordinate or as a subordinate, I'm having some kind of a disconnect with my boss. It could be mission. 
what am I supposed to be doing? What is my calling in life? And it could also be decision making. How do I make good decisions or how do I make better decisions? And I think everybody in the audience right now has a lot of discomfort because they've been through all this change. They've been blowing and going for so long. And then when it's time to look up, it's like, well, okay, what's next? And they might not be sure how they feel about what might be next. I know of a couple of approaches to coaching. One is a defined process, sort of what you're talking about. Like, hey, show me this. What's it called? How do you do it? How many weeks is it going to take? Does it require outside work on my part? Are we meeting weekly? And then the other is sort of that traditional approach to coaching where I, as the client, set the agenda. And that's really what Mark and I did five years ago. We would set a weekly appointment. And approximately the day before, Mark would send me a little form to fill out in an email. And it would say, what are my challenges right now? What are my goals from tomorrow's session? So if you aren't setting aside the time from your schedule, if you aren't taking the time the day before to think through, hey, what are my goals for this session tomorrow? And if there were questions maybe that were unanswered in the last session that you wanted to think about more deeply and having taken some of that time to do that, then you are setting goals for yourself. And your coach is really your guide, your facilitator, asking questions to help you realize, help you articulate what it is that you want and help you to find those answers. You made such a good point earlier that I frankly had not thought about previously. You said, you know, yes, you talk things over with your spouse, your partner, but they're always going to be advocating for you. So they might have some kid gloves or different perspectives. And some of us have official mentors. A lot of us have unofficial mentors, sort of our little cabinet. But especially if they're a coworker, I don't want to say they'll have an agenda, but they might just have a little different view of things than somebody who's third party objective, who knows sort of the common decision making traps or good ways to balance things and talk things through. I'm really starting to see the benefits of a professional in that role, in addition to your kitchen cabinet and your spouse and all of that. There are times that I would say, that's a really good question when Mark would ask me something or he would say, what is it that you're afraid of? In my case, this was almost all I'd ever known. So to think about doing something different or to say, I'm not sure this is what I want to be doing for right now. I wondered what would people think? Would I be letting people down? And so he really helped me articulate and get to the bottom of what my actual fears were. Because you knew you had discomfort, you just couldn't give it a name. So then how did the process unfold for you? Well, we had this preliminary kind of a call. I thought, you know what, this is going to be a great fit. He explained the process to me, which is we're going to meet once a week. The session will be 45 minutes to an hour. I'm going to send you this link. You can fill it out, preferably the day before, which gave him sort of that where my head was in that moment, what we were going to be focusing on. And then we would dial into our call. You close the door, you turn on do not disturb, you kind of block the world out to focus on yourself, which is something a lot of us are really not very good at. We're not very good at it. 
have a kernel of a thought. If we're doing really well, we might get two or three minutes into it. Then it's like a popcorn popper. Oh, the email goes off. Oh, a text message happens. Oh, somebody needs something. And when you said 45 minutes, I thought, oh my gosh, 45 minutes of sustained thought about my life and career. <gasps> that sounds amazing just in and of itself. To focus on yourself seems almost counterintuitive, almost unnatural. And you realize quickly, if I do this, I'm actually going to be able to serve others better, be a better version of myself. Those main things we talked about, the decision-making, relationships, the mission, all of those things, if I can do that better, then I'm actually helping others around me as well. That's a great point. I think it's important too have a methodology to continue to be intentional about growth or change because we tend to do it in fits and starts. Let's say we know where we're going or where we want to go. Creating a roadmap with someone to keep those steps intentional, I think would be uh, much more efficient than the stumbling and bumbling around method. Right. I agree. And I remember a day in the spring of 2018 that I said to Mark, okay, You've really helped me. You've given me a lot to think about. I'm a processor, so I'm going to go away now and I need to think. And one day I just sort of woke up and went, I need to press pause. The things that resonate with my soul today aren't here where I'm working as much as I love the company. I loved the company and I loved and still do all of the people and the wonderful relationships I built. Most of my clients were internal and those folks are people you'd give a kidney to if they needed it. I had to work my way through that fear, letting others down, not fulfilling a vision maybe that people had for me or said, you'd be great at this. And maybe I would be great at that or was great at that. It wasn't something that gave me meaning. And I would imagine you also had some concern about, I don't want to jump off the path that I set for myself. Is this really the right time for me to change something? Also, tell me if this sounds too codependent-y, but did you have concerns about, would you be a boring client? for your coach? Or did you not have enough homework done in advance for your coach before session one? Did you even worry about letting the coach down? I'm putting that in air quotes because I know it sounds ridiculous, but we think those things sometimes. Oh gosh, yes. For sure. The letting the coach down or when life would get busy, it would be 11 o'clock at night and I would say, oh my gosh, I have a coaching session at eight o'clock. I need to fill out the form and I would go, can't let him down. Or if I had to cancel sometimes. So for sure. I think that oftentimes we are conditioned, this is what you do, right? You get a job. If you're not working hard and you're not able to earn a living, then you're doing something wrong. And if you don't like what you're doing or you don't get along with the people that you're working with, oh well. And it seems like, to your point, our generation was sort of the leading edge of that Maybe there's more. Maybe I want to love what I do. Maybe I want to enjoy who I'm doing it with. And what is it that I want? Some parts of it are harder than others. And sometimes you have those massive aha moments where the light bulb goes off. You blow your own mind with something that you discover through the process. And 
that's tremendous. I mean, that's worth the price of admission. Are there some examples that you could give us an example or two of the type of question that was asked or a realization you had that you would not have anticipated going into this process so that folks can get an idea of the kinds of eureka moments they might experience? Well, one of them, I do have my notes, but I haven't looked at all of the questions. Earlier when I looked, it was so much for me was about fear. So what was I afraid of? And then what were the barriers to doing it? Was I worried that I would leave them in a lurch? So I didn't want to say, give notice and just leave them all high and dry. And in my case, I thought, well, I could give them several months, which is what I did. I could be honest with them and just say, I'm not doing anything after this. I'm going to take a year and press pause on my career. So it wasn't one of those, where else are you going to work? Those kinds of questions, I think, from Mark. When you're trying to sit and think about things yourself, thoughts like that can limit your thinking to where something might not even come on your radar screen that is, in fact, a possibility to entertain and dissect and think about. Because, for example, I couldn't say I want to stop being a closer and go into management because I'm the best closer in the world, which every closer secretly thinks. I was one. I can say that. Those things can end up, I would guess, being self-limiting. Yeah. Well, and even the fear question, I remember when Mark said, what are you afraid of? I was like, well, I'm not afraid of anything. That, what are you talking about? Nothing. I wrestle bears. Oh. Yeah. I have to answer this question. He wants me to come up with some fears. You toss a few out there, you know, and a good coach will lean in, will press in and say, is that really what's behind it? Even those questions, I would wrestle with, you know how it is, you're doing something else, you're cooking dinner, you're out for a walk. And in the background, you're replaying that tape from that earlier session and thinking more deeply on it. At least that's definitely my, you know, sort of my process. So I think that helped me. Even if I couldn't answer the question in the moment, I would have to go away and think about it some more and say, let's talk about that next time. I think people are starting to really reassess what an integrated life that you want looks like because when you just sort of get in the yoke and you're blowing and going and everything is under a deadline and it's crunch time right now because interest rates, it's crunch time right now because COVID, it's all of that. I think people are really coming back and reassessing right now. What do I want to re-engineer? And it might just be some tweaks, but how do I want to re-engineer my career to fit the life I want better? And that's a series of decisions. Yeah. Yes. And to your point, it's all integrated, right? We bring home to work. We bring work to home. Certainly today, that's more true than ever. We go through seasons in life where we feel more balanced or more confident. And there are other seasons and we're not that way. And that's really industry agnostic, right? If I think about it in a work context, there are a lot of folks that are put in management roles who weren't trained as a manager or didn't get training to be a manager. But if you have EQ, 
emotional intelligence, the emotional quotient, that is certainly an advantage. And it's really a skill set. It's kind of like confidence. I think about it similarly. You can't go and buy it. There's no quick fix. You really can only get it or grow it from within. And EQ is the same. There are ways you can be intentional about doing that. I think coaching is one of those ways, if that's something that's needed, or just even keeping that in mind helps, again, as a manager, it helps as an employee, it helps as a decision maker, as a human being. So EQ is definitely something I think that coaching can help with. Oh, I love that you gave that example, because as you said earlier, at the end of the day, especially on the settlement side, we are an extreme service business. And I think people that naturally get attracted to that might have a tendency to be overly empathetic. You have to learn how to harness it, channel it a little more effectively, because if you don't, the other thing that happens is total burnout. We know plenty of people who have completely hit the burnout wall in this industry. And and that's really what a lot of our episodes are trying to help people combat. You don't have to just keep going, keep going, keep going until you can't take it anymore and flame out and depart. Right. No, it's true. Back to when I said earlier that it's a little bit like therapy. As I, as those words came out of my mouth, I went, oh, some people are going to be like running for the exits. It's not therapy, to be clear. And coach, all coaches would tell you that. It's just dedicated time, focused on yourself, setting goals, you setting goals for yourself, you mapping a path to how you want to achieve those goals, coming up with understanding what any obstacles might be and how you might want to approach that or overcome that. And ultimately improving one of those three main categories, your relationships, whatever the mission is, and your decision-making. Well, I know you well enough. I have a conjecture that of something that might have been an issue for you in this process, but I won't call you out on it. I will say I would imagine that me, certainly in the beginning of coaching, I would get a real case of the yow butts. Somebody says that and I go, well, yeah, but I would imagine that's part of how most people show up to it initially, kind of wanting somebody to argue with you. And then you're going to bring up things that they haven't considered yet. And you can inadvertently get into a posture of sounding like you're advocating for a position that really don't want to advocate for. For sure. And interestingly, I'd always be like, dang it, when Mark would come back and either refocus me and say, wait a minute, we're a little bit off track here, or ask me a question that sort of trumped my yeah, but Oh, we need that, right? That's a great service. It is. That's part of that impartial third party. And they've likely heard this before. Similar stories you mean through other clients. mean we're not just a special so. unicorn, Allison? <laughs> exactly. Well, so all in all, it sounds like it was a very positive experience for you. Wish you'd done it sooner or did it come along just at the right time? I think it came along just at the right time. And it's certainly something that I not only benefited from, but truly realized this could be amazing for other people. And I wish 
that a lot of companies would have someone, a life coach, a professional coach, and many do, on staff for employees, for career development, for manager growth, all the above, for their own professional goal setting. We have a lot of people in industry that are sort of readjusting, recalibrating, trying to reset because they haven't been able to have any professional goals other than survival the last couple of years. So I'm glad that you shared your experience today for those that are thinking about might this be a good tool for them to use? It sounds like you're a pretty passionate advocate. I am. And I think one other thing that I would add is for some, they think about the cost, right? Because we don't want to take care of ourselves and spend money on ourselves. It's It sounds indulgent, right? Right. And I remember the cost. I paid a procession fee. I know a lot of coaches, including Mark Stanifer, the guy that I used in his Dare to Live coaching. He also had packages. And in the grand scheme of life, this was not a big cost. It really wasn't. And it was so worth it. You said the name of his program was Dare to Live. I love that because we see so many people that are just fighting to exist, professionally at least. Mark is now doing something. It's called Figure That Shift Out. <laughs> and I like it. Basically, it is sort of that defined process with a set time period. You are guided through this process to help you figure some things out. And the shift is really the change that you want to see or that you say, you know what, I think I want to work on relationships or my decision making. And then you set those goals and you create that change in your life. You're posing this topic and these questions really got me to thinking back, sort of opening up that roadmap to our lives looking back on where we were at that time and what was going on and where we are now and taking stock, right? I think that's something that we're all works in progress for as well, learning to savor, learning to take stock of where we've come from, how far we've come, and that we're worth that investment in ourselves. So really appreciate your thinking about this topic and choosing to focus on it. I think that's wonderful. And again, as we have people who are looking up, trying to figure out what's next for them, I think we have a lot of listeners who 80% of life is good and they may just want to focus on a core set of, of a few things that would just kind of max it out and make it better. And then we have some sitting here going, I don't know, I'm just tired. I need some help sorting through some of these things. Any resources that can help people with that and is going to keep our industry on a smoother keel as we go through these changes that are upon us. Thank you, Allison, for giving us a peek inside your experiences when working with a life coach. We appreciate your being so open with us about your process, the conclusions you came to, and why. Now, listeners, odds are probably that you won't come to the same conclusion Allison did. But, you know, so many of us are asking questions right now about work-life balance or integrating more actual living into our lives. And you're trying to figure out how to make it all work. Asking ourselves some key questions and really listening to ourselves for our honest answers can help so much in trying to figure that all out. 
having the guidance of a professional might help you be more honest with yourself and make it more likely that you do more than just think about changes to some elements of your life. It might also help you design a path toward a new set of goals. Well, folks, it's hard to believe we've come around to the holiday season once again. Where does the time go? My wish for you this year is that you have time actually to take a little bit more time to envision and create the kind of holiday season you really want to have. The past couple of years have mostly been catch as catch can when it came to gathering, taking time off work to celebrate with those you love, and all those things that have been ingredients of the craziness that has gone on lately. Now we're going to have a break between our seasons six and seven with a couple of holiday surprises for you dropped here and there, so keep your eyes out. But we too are going to take some time to focus in on important relationships as the year comes to a close. So until next time, if you've been putting off a call to reconnect with someone, just make the call. You'll be glad you did. And if you're waiting for the right time to schedule some you time, pick a date, book it, and take it. And always stay committed to making sure you're the star of your own movie. You are more than what you do, so nurture the rest of you too. So that when you come back, you have more to give to what you do. And that's important because what you do really matters. <laughs>